Ladies and gentlemen, for the next hour, I aim to entertain and educate you about music and causes that enrich your life. A delicious mix of talking and music we call fun philanthropy or funlanthropy, where the desire to improve the welfare of others is combined with music and fun. My mission is to produce music and content that inspires giving, because giving and generosity spread love and growth. And the lack of generosity creates fear and stagnation. We don't want that. Today, you will get to meet three local nonprofit leaders. Amy Barnow from Connecticut Audubon Society, Tracy Flood from CLASP, and Jeff Keith from Mission Connecticut Challenge. I'm Rob Freed, and welcome to Band Central Radio, where we broadcast the fourth Monday of every month on WPKN 89.5 FM here in Bridgewater. In Bridgeport. I said Bridgewater. <laughs> that's, Where um, are we? That's three decades of working in Bridgewater. Right. I say yeah. the word bridge and water comes out. And uh, you can also listen on your device of choice anytime you want to listen via WPKN Podcasts and WPKN Livestream on YouTube. Hello there, YouTubers. As mentioned, <laughs> as mentioned, we've got a great show for the next hour talking with Amy, Tracy, and Jeff. And to our friends breaking their fast today and celebrating uh, the Day of Atonement and the end of the Jewish New Year celebration, we wish you all the best. Let's discuss personal growth, and I don't mean around the waistline. Mm-hmm. In last month's episode, I discussed the mental health crisis with Andy Cadison and Steve DiCostanzo. And I suggested that along with becoming more aware of the big picture crisis in our country, it's also a good time to do a personal checkup from the neck up by reviewing your three P's, people, places, and purpose. And to recap, people, it's essential to be surrounded by Therapists, teachers, support groups, co-workers, friends, and family that support mental wellness and healing. Places. Everyone needs a safe, clean home, and they need other resources like employment, money, savings, and education. Purpose. Purpose is about being engaged in helping others. By reviewing our three P's and then making adjustments in our life, we can find balance and happiness in our own lives. But wait, there's more. I'd like to take a step further and offer some thoughts about how we develop during our lifetimes. If you've seen the Band Central logo, I'm showing it here, uh, you've noticed a triangle with a light shining at the top. And this image reflects our belief that we are all, all of us, Moving up a ladder of development in life, in a sense, what psychologist Abraham Maslow called the hierarchy of needs towards self-actualization at the top. Though in reality, Maslow's reference only refers to the psychological development of life. With the aid of philosopher Ken Wilber, we can add other lines of development that can be thought of as different types of intelligences that we have as we progress in life. Wilbur, if you're not familiar with him, is a very interesting author and teacher in that he has put enormous energy into studying and contrasting all of the world's major religions and then created a philosophy that integrates them into an approach to life suited to the Western mind. In short, he suggests to me 
that the band central triangle of progress is actually three-dimensional rather than one-dimensional with three different axes along which we evolve, almost like a pyramid. And I know this is getting deep for talk radio. <laughs> Steve DiCostanza is laughing. Yes, I'm still at the bottom of the pyramid looking up at that light. <laughs> so stay, stay with me, please, because right, I know our listeners are highly intelligent and evolved. Yes. yes. Indeed. So Wilbur specifically refers to three lines of development, waking up, cleaning up, and growing up. And for, for reference, I encourage you to go to YouTube and type in Ken Wilbur, L-I-W-I-L-B-E-R, Future Thinkers, Clean Up, Wake Up, Grow Up. Ken Wilbur, Future Thinkers, Clean Up, Wake Up, Grow Up. And you can check into this. Uh, in, in, in a short summary, someone who is progressing in terms of waking up is spiritually advanced they embody a state of unconditional love and joy, and they prioritize service to others in their life. And there's a whole continuum of that. Cleaning up, which is a different development, more emotional, refers to healing of our past traumas and dealing with whatever darkness and shadows lie within us. And there's a whole path for that. And then growing up, which is more about like what Maslow is about, is, uh, is the form of mental maturation of accepting reality as it is, achieving a level of self-esteem in your life, and valuing personal responsibility rather than victimhood. So these lines of development tend to be relatively independent. In other words, it's possible to be at a very high level of waking up without having done much work on cleaning up or growing up. And evolving in all three of these areas on a personal and societal, societal level is essential for the future of our civilization. So Wilbur's framework is useful for seeing how we could move forward in a society. I hope you will check him out. And, you know, the good news is, is we each move from one stage of development to a more advanced one. We keep the benefits we gained from the previous stage. And then we integrate them into a new, more advanced stage. So, yeah, that's a lot to ponder. <laughs> but uh, let me take a breath here. And I'm going to ask our guests, who I will each interview shortly, just for a short response to the topic. Anything you want to say about mental health, personal growth, how it relates in your life? Um, I guess I would say a couple of things. Um, first of all, I think it's a lifelong journey every single day. It doesn't matter what your age is. Um, but I, I go back because I think a lot about the three P's. Um, I think it's really hard to focus on your purpose if you don't have the first two P's covered. So for the people that don't have a safe place, that don't have people in community, it's maybe harder to um, embrace finding your own purpose. And so I think for those of us that might have all three in place or two of those three in place, it makes the responsibility around purpose even more important to make sure that we are helping um, develop the right communities and the right safe places. Yeah, kind so of that, like three legs of a stool. You yeah. can't really sit on two legs. Yeah. You have to have... It feels know. like a luxury to care about your purpose in the world if you're trying to get food on the table and you're not safe. You know, yeah. So I think for those of us that can focus on purpose and have the privilege or the luxury to do that, 
there's probably even today as there are there are so many crises going on around mental health and and safety and community that we really have to work even harder i think to make sure that we help level the playing field and provide as much support for all three of those legs of the of the stool yeah thanks amy very cool jeff any any thoughts on this uh having the the experience of meeting thousands of survivors and hearing their courageous stories i think the common themes are you know a philosopher once said um attitude uh excuse me attitude changes your altitude and i i really believe in that um i think Mm -hmm. We all need to find spiritual leaders, modern-day spiritual leaders uh, for you, uh, for Amy. It might be other folks. I think um, I tend to drift towards, um, you know, exercise, mind, body, and nutrition is sort of the three central themes that um, it's not what I think. It's it's very common out there for different diseases as well as mental health. Um, there's a great modern-day stoic Stoic leader that I read about. His name is Ryan Holiday, and he's integrated Stoicism. And his some of the titles of his books: uh, "Discipline is Destiny," "Obstacle is the Way," "Ego Ego is the Enemy," "Ego is the Enemy." Reverend, so I, I think um, these spiritual <laughs> leaders that we are gifted today with can really help all of us. Um, you know, you. Rob, you personally have introduced meditation to me 10 years ago, and it's become a part of my life. And obviously, it's part of millions and millions of people across the world. Um, You know, I try to personal growth also is having more questions than answers. Mm -hmm. As we age, we think we know everything. And in fact, we don't know everything. So um, I try to be um, curious as I was a 12-year-old in school. And um, I think it does change your life when you have more questions than answers. Really, lots of good insights there. Thank you, Jeff. Steve, any, uh, any thoughts? Well, I, I mean, I'm just thinking I, I'm at a, an interesting point in my life that you've already gone through, the idea of retiring. And Steve will be retiring at year end as the general manager of WPKN, where he has served this role for 13 years. And this is probably the first official announcement that uh, I've actually made in terms of uh, on air. Uh, I'm going to have a more uh, kind of a fuller description tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it puts me in a completely different uh, place in a way. I mean, personal growth certainly doesn't. It uh, doesn't end here, uh, but I, you know, I, I feel like it's it's going to be a whole new ball game. Uh, kind of my next step. Uh, my next step is is uh, n- not to be involved uh, with WPKN as much, obviously as a GM. But I, I mean, my my hope is that uh, along with. Uh, keeping fit and healthy, which is, I think, a, a, a good, a big part of, of my life, uh, is to see where I can give back a little bit once I do retire. I yeah, mean, so, I, so I, some I have, version, some version of the three Ps. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. In a moment, we're going to interview Amy Barnow from Connecticut Audubon, but. 
Well, you're listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgewater, Bridgeport. Second time <laughs> I've done that. Um, something is uh, bringing up my past. <laughs> um, let me update you on Band Central quickly. Band Central will perform 15 themed concerts in 2023 to help local nonprofits. Our shows feature some amazing musicians performing some amazing shows. And every season we feature different shows. Uh, this year we've been doing Rock for Hope. We're doing a Rock and Halloween Bash, Flower Power, Funk and Disco, American Roots, and Beach and Luau. And we're doing it for some amazing nonprofits, uh, including Connecticut Audubon Society, uh, Mission, Operation Hope, Wolfgang and Company, Siri, Sterling House Community Center, Thrive, CLASP, Children's Learning Center, Center for Family Justice, Fairfield Theater Company, Common Ground, Kennedy Collective, New Canaan Mounted Troop, Cardinal Sheehan Center, and our very own WPKN. We stand ready to help local nonprofits and musicians thrive. Here are some upcoming dates. These are our remaining three 2023 dates. And then we have a nice tour shaping up for 2024, which I'll tell you about later. On October 4th, we're playing American Roots at a house party for the Audubon Society. So if you care about Mother Nature right here in Connecticut and you're enjoying the services of uh, the Audubon Society, this might be something you'll be interested in. We'll be talking to Amy Barnow from Connecticut Audubon in just a moment, and you can learn more about that. On October 20th, Friday night at Fairfield Theater, we'll be performing our Rockin' Halloween Bash. It's kind of a mix of rock and soul for CLASP. Uh, that, you know, they provide homes and skills and life training for adults with uh, developmental and intellectual disabilities. And then on November 9th at Fairfield Theater Stage 1, we'll be providing, we'll be playing our Rock for Hope uh, concert featuring Joe Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, Operation Hope provides food and housing assistance for those most in need in our community. You can visit experiencebandcentral.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter update, our tour dates, and you can follow us on Facebook at Experience band central also i play bass and sing in some groups with upcoming dates and you can check that out at robfreedmusic.com joining us now is amy barnow director of the fairfield region for the connecticut audubon society amy leads the organization's uh, center in fairfield as well as the Birdcraft Museum and Sanctuary. Her responsibilities include fundraising and helping to establish conservation, development, research, education, and community strat- communication strategies. She brings a blend of experience in marketing and business development in the for-profit and non-for-profit sectors. She was born here in Connecticut and started a career, her career in the Pacific Northwest as regional director of Lighthawk, creating innovative campaigns that address conservation efforts around deforestation and watershed health in Alaska, Washington, and Oregon. She then served as the assistant director of the Wilderness Society's Northwest Region based in Seattle before returning to the East Coast. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks. Um, Tell us a little bit more, you know, about yourself in terms of 
<laughs> your personal growth yeah. and how you evolved to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, well, very thoughtful segment uh, already, and thanks for including me today. Um, you know, I, I think I had a very early calling from Mother Nature to uh, be committed and dedicated on environmental issues going back to high school um, or earlier, actually. And uh, it's, it's funny, I think it started from um, back in the in the 80s when there was a uh, that gypsy moth infestation and my dad was spraying Ooh. the trees and I was sitting in my room with the windows closed and I was watching the spray drip and we had a pool. And I remember thinking, like, how could I possibly want to swim in that pool if there's this toxic stuff from the trees dripping that's killing the ma You know, so it was one of those moments. And um, and back, that was meant long before, of course, the, uh, the Internet. And I used a phone book, I think, and I found an organization in Portland, Oregon called the uh, – National Association of Alternatives to Pesticides, and I called them on the phone. I was like in high school, I didn't know it, and asked them to send me all of this material. Um, and I presented it to my father and basically said, I, I really, this just doesn't feel right. And um, we're, we can't be killing everything and not be killing ourselves. So I think even going back, and he did stop. Not only that, he actually went to neighbors and got them to also stop spraying their trees. Um, and I think, you know, maybe early on, I had a little sense of two things. One was, really sort of commonsensical. We can't kill everything in the environment and keep ourselves healthy. And also, I, I truly fundamentally believe that we are all better as a species and when we share this planet um, with all of the other species that were here and and deserve to be here and not just sort of barely surviving but thriving. I like being part of a planet with everybody else. And I can tell from your resume, which I just read, that you know, you've been engaged in this area for some time. But was it always like that as you got into your 20s? Were you just concerned about the environment? And yeah, this was this is this is what I did. I was I I went to college. I started an organization in in college. And then immediately after that, I I I spent a stint as a a volunteer park ranger in Big Bend National Park in Texas and then moved up to New Hampshire um, and worked for the the New Hampshire Conservation organization up there and then headed out to Seattle. So by 24, um, I was working for Lighthawk, which owned planes. We did aerial education um, of large-scale environmental issues. So we looked from planes, brought you know all the stakeholders, so elected officials and celebrities and media um, and landowners in small planes and showed them what was happening from a, a global level um, scale, looking at clear cutting of old growth forests and watershed issues and mining issues. Um, and it's so interesting. Those, those planes have been replaced by drones, but continue on. Well, no, because there's <laughs> literally nothing like being up in a small plane flying over the this land. Is true. It's Says incredible. Yes. Incredible. Yes. Um, I mean, really, I, we had tribal elders who would weep on the plains when they saw uh, their land. I mean, it's very, very powerful. What, 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 especially in the '90s, what was happening from a. I'm glad I made that comment a, so you could clear cutting. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I made that comment about mm-hmm. drones so that you could mm-hmm. emphasize the emotional content of yes. of experiencing very that. Emotional. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, how how are we treating our planet? And and it's funny. I think you think a lot about that. Um, think global, act local. So my 20s, my 30s, I was very much on sort of a global scale. We were working on the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, trying to prevent oil drilling. I was working on public land protection through British Columbia and the Pacific Northwest. And now here I am in Connecticut, um, very embedded in this community and working on a very local level 
uh, with the Connecticut Audubon Society of what's happening right here in our beautiful backyard and our beautiful state. Um, and I love it. I think I'm so, exactly where I'm supposed to be. So we have listeners here on WPKN that are, you know, out for lunch now, maybe walking mm-hmm. their dog, mm-hmm. maybe thinking about breaking the fast. Maybe they're driving on 95, cruising along, going from one place to another. Tell us a little bit more about the Audubon Society. What's available to people? How can people get involved? Sure. So we uh, we were we were founded in 1898. We're celebrating our 125th anniversary this year, which is really astounding. Founded by a group of young women uh, here in Fairfield, Connecticut, and we've since become a, a statewide organization. But what happens here in the region is a whole host of really exciting programs and a couple of things that I would say are are. Um, probably what I'm most proud of is um, at our center at Fairfield up on Burr Street, um, where we have the Larson Sanctuary, which is 155 acres. It's spectacular land. And that is the hub for our education programs. We serve as the um, the next generation science standard, science and nature sort of um, incubator. We provide the curriculum and the hands-on experience for all of the Fairfield public schools, third grade, and then also, uh, and that is funded through the town of Fairfield. And then through grants and private donations, we bring in um, schools from Bridgeport, Shelton, and all of our Title I schools for kids that literally have had no experience or introduction to the woods, to the environment. And we do that very hands-on in my opinion, critical exploration and introduction to the environment for for third and fourth graders of our uh, lower income communities. And uh, and then we offer a whole host of adult programming. And to me, that's um, I'm, I fundamentally believe in the power of, of healthy environment and, and nature, going back to the very first topic in personal growth and wellness. We need a clean, healthy environment to be clean, healthy people. Right. You, you probably won't get very much argument with the more time you spend in nature, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> walking, breathing, yep. the more your yeah. mind will be at ease and, you know, the challenges will, will seem surmountable. Um, and what, 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 this year, what are your, what's your main priority with the Audubon Society? Where, what are you trying, where are you trying to move the needle? I, I want, uh, I want our, we have two facilities in town, the Birdcraft Sanctuary and Museum on Unqua and then also the Nature Center up on Burr Street. Uh, and we have probably 10,000 visitors a year that come to those and uh, to our facilities. I want those locations increasingly to become destinations, go-to destinations that people rely on um, and value Connecticut Audubon Society as a resource for a couple of things, learning and education. So come, you know, I want people to leave smarter than when they arrive. I want people to understand um, the importance of how you treat your own land and how do we protect our environment. I want people to use and embrace our land for their own personal wellness and health. And and because we continue to offer all of those education programs for adults, come curious, learn about um, what we offer and how you improve your own mind, health, and body, and also bring that home to your backyard. You know, understand what it means when you spray pesticides on your yard and what it means when you put rodenticides down. If you come to our aviary and fall in love with our birds of prey, you have to then understand how that's going to impact your behavior in your own home, in your own life, um, so that we really are providing um, a safe haven for our 
wildlife and our habitats. So I suppose one good destination to visit would be the Connecticut Audubon Society website, which would explain the programs and all the things you're doing. Could you share that website? Sure, ctaudubon.org. A-U-D-U-B-O-N. Correct. C-T, just the letter C-T-A-U-D-U-B-O-N dot O-R-G. So it sounds like there's many ways for both children and adults Mm -hmm. to to take part. And, you know, it's you could go down and have a nice walk on the beach, but you could also drive up to Burr, to, you know, Greenfield Hill. Burr Street is beautiful Mm -hmm. and just go maybe... Partake of Absolutely. that land. There's, there's tremendous, uh, and, and I think people know us for our summer camps and our children programs and our, our our school programs. But I think what we're offering for adults is equally as important, and um, the engagement and the education is it never stops. Right, and I'm amazed at how many people come and say, "Oh, I never, I never thought about the impact of I'm spraying for." For ticks and I, you know, or, or pesticides at my own yard, I never thought about the fact that I'm killing all of the insects that the birds need, that you know, then the owls eat, and you know, we're we're totally disrupting this healthy cycle. So we have to think about our behavior. We have to think about our choices, and sometimes that means making sacrifices or learning how to make the right choices. Mm. Um, and I think it's so much. I'm a I'm also a cancer survivor, and. Um, I think there is an inextricable link between the healthy planet and the healthy body and I and a healthy mind, a healthy soul, all yeah. of those pieces. And I think we really have to think about how we treat all of those things. Let's so. um let's talk for a minute about the party that we're having yeah. together on uh, October fourth, mm-hmm. and so this is a party, primarily a by invitation party. However, mm-hmm. I want to extend that if you are listening to this program on WPKN Band Center Radio, and you are interested sincerely in learning about the Audubon Society, I'm going to ask that you contact Amy Barnow or contact me, Rob Freed. You can reach me at refried at optonline.net and let us know if you're interested, and we can get you an invitation to that party. It's yep. um, you know, it's going to be probably 75 people who care about Mother Nature and want to get a chance to meet Amy and the different board members and hear Band Central play some killer music Mm -hmm. and have some light bites. And it's on a Wednesday night. What could be more fun? Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Amy? Sure. So uh, uh, Wednesday evening, we just got the 10-day forecast. It looks like sunny uh, weather, which will be a nice break from this past weekend. Uh, and we'll have uh, our, a bunch of our staff there. We've got some of our educators. Uh, we'll have one of our birds of prey, one of our owl, either our owl or a hawk. Not sure who's coming that day. Uh, and as you said, great music, cocktails, and um, we'll show one of our. We just did a really wonderful video um, that that highlights all of this work that we're doing, from educating kids to providing uh, that adult education, those touch points. And our birds of prey aviary, uh, and you know it'll be a great celebration of what we're doing, um, what we've done so far in 125 years, and the, the legacy that we've brought to this community, and where we're going in the future. So, uh, we need, as a member-driven organization, we need people's involvement and support. And um, you're welcome to reach out to me. It's a barno at ctaudubon.org. Fantastic, mm-hmm. thank you. All right, all right. Joining us now is uh, Jeff Keith. Jeff Keith and uh, tapping the same determination and vision that propelled him to play Division I lacrosse in college and run across America following graduation 
after losing a leg to cancer when he was just 12 years old. Jeff is reshaping the landscape for all who battle cancer. By way of a long career in high-yield sales and capital raise at firms including Solomon Brothers, Merrill Lynch, UBS, and now Fairbridge Capital, and as co-founder and past board member of nonprofit Swim Across America, which has raised more than $125 million for cancer research since it started nearly 30 years ago, Jeff is the inspiration founder and CEO of Mission, which many people know as uh, the Connecticut Challenge, a race which uh, WPKN's very own general manager and I, uh, that Steve DeCostanza, and I have uh, been riding in the Connecticut Challenge for upwards of 10 years. Um, I'll also note that Jeff has a, a Bachelor's of Arts from Boston College and an MBA from USC. Jeff, welcome. Thank you very much, Rob. Pleasure to be here today. I'm really tickled to be talking to you because as you know you're uh you mean a lot to me and you're uh, you've been one of my one of my mentors in life tell us just a little bit more about yourself in terms of you know your personal growth journey and how you evolved to where you are today well <clears throat> when i lost my leg to cancer at age 12 i think what it does is humble you and um brings you back down to earth and makes you grateful for every day that you wake up in um, so I think, uh, the journey that I had since losing my leg was, uh, was, wasn't always fun. Uh, there were ups and downs, but high highs and low lows are part of life for every human being. And fortunately I was thrust out into the ski slope six weeks after I lost my leg. And the two most important people that other than my family and my parents and my brother and sister, it really had an impact on me was uh, I was taught to ski on one leg by two Vietnam veterans uh, in 1975. Wow. And um, they treated me like anybody else, um, a little a little with grit, uh, which, which we all need. And um, that sort of set the tone for me, seeing two amputees skiing on one leg and that I could do that too. Wow. Wow. And before Forrest Gump made running across the country a thing, you actually did uh, run across the country uh, as a testament mm-hmm. to this incredible willpower that you have. Isn't that correct? Yeah. When I, when I lost my leg and you know, went through cancer and saw the survival rates were really low back then and the lots of kids around me didn't make it. So I made a, a vow that I would actually never forget and keep moving forward and and make an impact and um i was inspired by terry fox who was a young canadian that lost his leg to cancer and ran across canada in 1981 and he died on my birthday and Mm -hmm. when terry did that uh i said well when i graduated from college i'm going to run across the united states and raise money for the american cancer society didn't know how i was going to do it because back then, remember, we didn't have the internet. We didn't mm. have phones. Steve was asking, what, what year was that? Yeah, so in 1981 is when Terry died, yeah. and I did my run across the United States in 1984. Right out of college, then, right yep. after you graduated. Yeah. And what a journey. I mean, how long 
How long did that uh, take you? From it, it took me eight months. I vowed to my parents I wouldn't run a marathon a day, which Terry did. So I ran, I averaged 16, 17 miles a day. We visited hospitals along the way. Um, and <laughs> there were 17 uh, people, able-bodied people that run across the United States at that time. And everyone had run west to east. Yeah, I ran east to west, didn't right. know about the headwinds. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Did you have a lot of uh, preparation in terms of... Obviously, designing your your route across the country, but also did you have uh, key people along the way that uh, I did? I was fortunate. I had my four roommates from college, my brother, and uh, you know, and another friend, and um, also um, I had some mentors: Dave McGilvery, who ran across the United States in '81, who now runs the the Boston Marathon. He's mm-hmm. the event director, uh, so he was in my camp. Um, and I, you know, teamed up with one of the first nutritionist gurus, uh, Dr. Robert Haas, who wrote the book Eat to Win. And back then, um, you know, I, I knew I knew nutrition was going to be important. Um, I also knew training and the right equipment was going to be the right important and then prosthetics. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I can say whatever I want on radio because people generally can't see you. Um, except we are on YouTube streaming live. Um, so there is a check on what I'm about to say, but you are in terrific shape. I mean, uh, uh, you practice what you preach. Now tell us, you know, I want to get right to the point. Tell us about, so you started this nonprofit um, to raise money to design programs uh relate on all things you thought were important, mindfulness, nutrition, Etc. Um, and uh, and 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 we have this Connecticut Challenge ride, which continues to persist. Talk a little bit about that and where your mission is now. Yeah. So, having raised money for cancer research for many years, which is really important, I felt there was a gap. And Lance Armstrong from Live Live Strong had really paved the way for the word survivorship. So, when you're done with cancer and you're done with treatment, there's really, you're dropped off a cliff. And that wasn't me saying that. That was many survivors. And so I, I realized that I wanted to to raise money in the survivorship space to give people tools uh, on their own that they could wake up every day and use. And the common themes, as you heard me early in the show, was exercise and nutrition and mind-body um, are really important pillars that you can use for muscular dystrophy, um, you know, diabetes, cancer, heart disease. Um, you know, these are integrative medicine that is mostly, most, most of which is free. So um, those are, so survivorship became important to me um, because, you know, we have roughly 18 million survivors in the United States today. And that number's growing. And, you know, when they're done with treatment, you know, the oncologists are trained to give you drugs and to get you through cancer. Um, but, you know, what we wanted to do was have a place, a landing place, um, and to raise money in those areas. And so that was the, you know, the beginning of CT Challenge and Mission and is what our mission is today. Um, you know, the charity bike ride is really, it's a... It's an event. It's a charity bike event. It's not a race. Anybody can participate, whether you ride 10 miles or you ride 100. And that's what we wanted to build. 
Um, but it's also community. And as Amy said, with the Audubon Society, to me, um, is also more it's everything she spoke about. But it's also about building community. And, um, you know, in fact, when we, we had the Mission Training Center, um, we did a walk outside and it was a support group in walk. And, you know, there's all this research about forest bathing that they term in in Japan. And what um, I think an Audubon society could do for survivors is, you know, you need to get outside and be in nature um, and also a, a, a place of community. I think this country today is starving. Just clarify for Steve that you you didn't just say skinny dipping. You said forest bathing. Because <laughs> now, that, now that he's going to be retired. both good for you. Uh, <laughs> forest bathing. Uh, Part yeah, of my daily Basically is take, taking walks in nature. And, yeah, you know, nice. it's, it's not me saying this. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. tons of research Lots out there that support mm-hmm. how it can reduce mental health, etc. So, 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 but Right now, you know, in Mission, I've known you for 15 years. I've seen the center, how things have evolved. Right now, today, you're focused specifically on a certain demographic of people that you think need the most help. You're trying to really have the impact with the money you raise. Why don't you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so, what you know, I thought about myself um, and the people around me in my 20s. When you didn't have any place to go. So what we did is target uh, young adult survivors, age roughly 12 to 39. And what we do is give grants, stipends to them to then they can use in exercise, nutrition, and mind-body um, in their local town. And it's cool because you don't prescribe exactly what they need to do. As long as it fits within the category, they choose what's best for them. Correct. It's wellness, wellness, um, overall wellness, um, and that's that's been our goal. Yeah, we, you know, look, opinions are, are we all have opinions, um, and but they're gifts, and if we can share those with folks, but you know, try to keep our boundaries a little bit more wide open. Um, we don't, we're not social service agency, so we don't give money to pay for drugs um, or for food, et cetera, but for, for, for what the mission of our organization is, it's really those three-prong approach, and if they want to use that money in that area, they can. We also have a pretty vibrant digital media platform, which obviously, as you know, the power of the Internet, people can be inspired, um, and that's pretty vibrant at www.yourmission.org with survivor stories like, you know, Amy's a cancer survivor. Um, you know, we have lots of uh, stories up there, plus, um, you know, real good content that's already been curated. Because to me, you know, when I was in the hospital room and just lost my leg and told me, I was told because prosthetics back then, I wasn't going to be able to play sports, etc. Well, all it took was one picture in Newsweek of Teddy Kennedy Jr. learning how to ski on one leg. Mm-hmm. And I took that, I ripped it out of the magazine and pinned it to my wall, and for the next year, that was my hope. Mm. And so we know that stories like that can be absolutely amazing. Um, We're listening to Jeff Keith. He is the founder of Mission, which many of you might know is the Connecticut Challenge, and uh, telling his inspiring stories and also about uh, the nonprofit called Your Mission, which uh, services people in this very area. Jeff, how 
as we close here, how can people get involved? Tell us about, I know the, ra- I know the date has been set for the race next year. Um, I, excuse me, it's not a race. It's a, a ride out of Greenfield Hill. It's a lovely bucolic setting. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and once again, how people can be in touch with you. Yeah, I mean, our, our ride is every every year. We If you can't ride, you can volunteer. If you can't volunteer, you can come out and cheer on. Um, it's July 27th, Saturday uh, in Fairfield. And, um, again, it's we have people that ride on just basic beach cruisers. It's not a race. We don't give you a time, and it's a fundraiser. Um, and historically, it's held at um, the Greenfield Hill uh, Green, which, um, as we know, and many of us know, is a very history with the Revolutionary War. They rang the church bell there in 1775 when the British were landing on the shores. Um, and there's it, the green is etched in history. Um, but that's and, you know, story. you can add a very important factor that when you get in for the ride, not only will you have maybe the best hamburger of the summer – but also, Band Central is pl- pl- playing. And we, we set up a little mini music festival for all the riders when they get in. And we do a couple of sets. And it's uh, I usually have the musicians that are in this year's tour up here. And everybody's happy to do it. So it's a really fun event. And I uh, we're, we're all just a, a step away from cancer ourselves or having family members, loved ones dealing with this. So it's it's so relevant. I thank you, Jeff Keith. We're going to make thank a little you. transition now from Jeff to uh, let's get Tracy Flood on the phone. Uh, Tracy, are you there? I sure am. Hello. Oh, hello, my dear. I know you uh, were doing a phone interview as you're uh, recovering from COVID. Uh, I am, indeed. Let me let me read a tiny bit about you so people know how about your awesomeness. Um, Clasp is a nonprofit that Band Central has supported for the past 11 years. They create family environments for people with autism and intellectual development disabilities. They were started by a group of families in the 1970s that had children with developmental disabilities, as you'd expect. And CLASP now has a dozen homes as well as apartment programs to enhance each person's independence, dignity, and continued personal growth. Um, Tracy started at CLASP in 1984. She was working weekends while she was finishing grad school. And she saw this as a short-term job opportunity and later realized it was her calling and a passion. And CLASP is now, you can't separate Tracy from CLASP. It's like her extended family. Um, and, you know, and, and I've gotten to know many of the, the clients over the years. And they're just, it's so many amazing people. Uh, so welcome, Tracy. Thanks for being here. And I can say what an honor it is to follow Jeff. You're an incredible man. And I can I can tell you my story intersects a little bit with your your cause and your mission of cancer. I was in grad school and uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and died nine months later. And I was 24 and she was my best friend. And to say that the bottom dropped out would be an understatement. So when I saw this ad in the newspaper, that's how long ago it was, if they were actually ads in papers, um, that they were opening a group home right down the street from me. And so I look back and think it's divine intervention, but Mm. I didn't realize that at the time. And, you know, went in there 
as, as Rob said, to, to work on the weekends, not knowing anything about the field, even though I was getting my master's in psychology. Nobody ever talked about people with disabilities. You know, we had a couple of little lessons on autism that were really outdated, even by the day's standards. So I walked into this place where we moved six women from institutions where they had lived for 20, 25, 30 years, and they embraced me in a way that I can't even put into words. And when you talk about mind-body healing, these women healed me and brought new life to me. They saw the positive in life. They did not look backwards. They did not, you know, say how sad they were that their lives had been wasted up there. They were just ready to pick up and go and do fun things and start a new life. Tracy, I want, I want, to, I want to pause on something that you just said that I think all of us feel, which is, you did sort of an about face there. You talked about how those of us that are involved in leading nonprofits and helping others, yes, we're yes. actually getting so much back in return that enriches our life. Beyond that, description, it, it sounds really, really hokey and corny, which I, I admit to being both, but <laughs> I can promise you that all of us here get more out of it than we put into it. And you know, when you're younger, you're a little more cocky. You think you're there to help. You think you're there to teach, you know. And then it takes a while to realize I'm here to learn as well. And that that was more of an education has been working in this field than it has ever any, any formal education. You know, these are folks who have gifts that are different than ours. And they have abilities that, you know, are sometimes much more intense than ours and sometimes less. But they are here with a, a very an ability to live in the moment that most of us don't don't take advantage of. Thank you for that. Hey, tell us a little bit more about CLASP specifically. What are the current priorities at CLASP and and how can people who are interested in CLASP get involved? Sure. Well, our, our you know, we've been through this three years of COVID and two years of COVID that really put us back quite a bit in terms of just being able to keep the place running. We were out of staff all the time. People, so many of our staff were, were ill and many were quite ill. We were fortunate that the people that we serve, about half of them tested positively, but almost none of them had any symptoms. So we were so grateful for that. Mm. But we came, you know, we came to the end of what we thought was at least a major part of the pandemic thinking, oh, thank God we can get back onto normal footing. And what happened was there's this crisis, a staff shortage in the nation of entry-level kinds of positions like ours, and we were down about 30% in terms of staff. So what we've been focusing on for the last year is rebuilding, and I'm happy to say that we're just about back to where we were two two years ago, three years ago, but it's been a struggle. Now, now people, people who want to get to know CLASP can come to Fairfield Theater Stage 1. You can go to the fairfieldtheater.org website right now. And for a modest price, I think it's 50 bucks $45. or $45, $45, you can buy a ticket to hear Band Central perform our Rockin' Halloween Bash. 
And you can also meet Tracy and Robin and Kristen, the great team at CLASP. So uh, that is going to be just an amazing show with Stephanie Harrison, Anthony Gadletta, Crispin Seal, who played saxophone with the Rolling Stones. Mm. It's just an amazing show. Uh, and you can dance your clasp off. <laughs> uh, anything else you would say about that, Tracy? It's October 20th, and we've got pregame party uh, that starts at 6.30 with snacks from Little Pub and Isla and Company. And the show starts at 7.30. We're asking people if you want to wear costumes, that'd be great, but don't feel like you have to. Uh, no peer pressure. And it's a great night. And we have some of the folks that we serve come. They love to... They love to dance more than most of us do, and they bring out, it. I think, a fearlessness among some of us who are more shy to finally just say, oh, what the hell? If they're up there dancing, I'm going to go join them. And everybody mm-hmm. just comes out of there with such a great feeling. It, it's a need to raise funds. You know, the, the government gives us money to just provide the absolute basics. But our goal is that people should have lives that all of us would be proud to have. Mm-hmm. And so it means more than just the basics. Well, thank you very much, Tracy. Um, Thanks for joining us, and uh, I hope you get well quick, and I look forward to seeing you on the 20th. Yes, me too. Take good care. Bye-bye. All right. Well, guess what? We've got about 45 seconds left before uh, Rick Patron takes over with uh, some jazz today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Audrey Neforis and Paula Murphy, Andy Cadison, and our guests, Amy Barnow, Jeff Keith, and Tracy Flood. Uh, our next show is going to be Monday, October 23rd, and our guests will be Bill Haas, who is from the Sacred Heart University Center for Nonprofits, and vocalist Tracy Marble. Uh, thank you both for joining. It was really fun. Thank you. Thank you, Rob.